You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts here with my co-host, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you? Awesome, Wendy. You're looking good? Looking oh, dapper this morning or this you know, afternoon? I- I try, you know, I guess our time difference, what's, what's morning to you is still afternoon for me. So yeah, I'm, still, I'm still here. I'm still doing this thing. So, <laughs> well, I want to start off by just saying, you know, thank you so much to all of those, um, all of you guys that follow Ken and I on random fit. We so, so appreciate your week to week, uh, following our topics and reaching out to him and I about topics that interest you or what you loved or what, what things you wanted us to include in the future. Um, we actually got really great feedback when we did the one on the fittest cities in the United States. And then there was questions asking us, well, how do we compare to the rest of the world? And Ken and I are like, you know what? That's a really good question. So thanks again for this topic. But today we're talking about the world's fittest cities. And um, if you did miss the one about the states, you should definitely go back because it was, I thought, very interesting. And hopefully you guys find this one to be interesting as well. Yep. Shout out to uh, Arlington, Virginia. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I'll I'll, I'll say that, you know, this this topic and, and looking things up and reading about the cities that were on the top of this list. But first of all, let's Let's discuss the you know the criteria as we as we discuss the criteria for the fittest cities in the United States. Where generally they looked at okay, well it's not just about who's you know they they walked around the streets and looked okay who looks like they're fit. You know they looked at they looked at um, um, uh, facilities or let's say open space parks um, things along those lines as well as programs that help facilitate people being more fit and getting out there and getting some exercise. Uh, but to lay the foundation here, this was a, this was a survey done by Rebuy. This is maybe a year or two ago, but whatever the situation may be, you know, I, I was looking at, um, you know, the cities that this survey had talked about. And of course, you know, within the last couple of years with the pandemic and the shutdown, some of these um, stats and numbers as they are might be a little off as they were. Uh, whereas what I was able to find was maybe a year or two old, you know, to, uh, 2021, 2020, even 2019. So basically skewed towards, you know, during the pandemic or a little bit after as it relates to these countries and how they, how they look at or how they support fitness. But the criteria that this survey looked at was looking at um, open space, you know, how much space has been dedicated to, you know, fitness and movement. Um, But one of the things that didn't come up in the America's fittest cities was that they also look at um, access to biking. Right. Mm -hmm. So the number of people that actually bike and the roadways and the infrastructure that supports biking um, was very interesting to me. But as you know, I started looking things up, you know, regarding these cities that that top the list, um, I was like, wow, Americans do not support biking much (laughs) at at all from from us, uh, from, you know, getting out there and exercising and moving. So that was. That was one of the things that was very interesting to me as far as the criteria goes. So I got stuck at biking, 
right? But when you look at, you know, the, the top cities that have dedicated time, energy, effort, space, you know, it was, it was just amazing how we hold different priorities as far as what we consider to be fit. Well, and I think too, it's, it's also important to note that, you know, like you said, I mean, bike usage was a big one. Environmental status was a big one, of course, gym memberships. And, you know, they were talking too, like you said, being outdoors, the, you know, what is the air quality? So air quality of these cities, um, Mm -hmm. again, there's a big difference between, you know, maybe California and, and Georgia, you know, think about the smog and, and, things going on in the in just in the two different states well you can imagine in some of these countries there's very good air quality in some of these that we're going to discuss mm-hmm. as well like you said you know not just bike usage but like you said green space how much of these countries have very big areas of green space where people go and they vegetate they do their earthing they do these things that we've talked about in previous podcasts because they have like it's it's very available, if you will, because, you know, I mean, obviously in certain cities we have here, it's very congested and we don't have, um, you know, the ability to do that. And then of course, you know, gym memberships, I thought it was fascinating to look at, well, okay, you know, they're looking at gym memberships. Well, us us in the States, just because you have a gym membership doesn't mean you're going. So also how many people are using these? And then is there a difference between you know, there might be this many people versus this many people, but maybe some more people are participating or maybe more people are joining the gyms. But then looking at the cost of these memberships, I found fascinating, too, because they're really priced pretty low um, in some of these other countries in comparison to what we're paying here in the States. Yeah. So let's let's get right to the list. Um, and we're going to start off just going down the list and we'll we'll discuss some of the, the topic points that made some of these cities stand out. So I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I have been to one of the cities in the top 10, right? And then that's it. <laughs> as far as the top 20 go, uh, just shows you how much more I need to travel. Uh, but number one topping the list was Amsterdam mm-hmm. uh, in the Netherlands. Number two is Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, Helsinki, again, we're talking cities, not countries. We're talking about cities in the world. Um, just, just again, looking at, you know, what these cities have done. Sometimes their policies are different than, uh, other policies in other cities within that same country. So, you know, so we have Helsinki, Finland at third, Oslo, Norway at fourth, Valencia, Spain in five, which... Again, I went down so many rabbit holes when it comes to doing this research. It's like, man, I gotta I started looking at flights on some of these places. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marseille in you know, France, uh, Vienna, Austria, number seven, uh, Stockholm, Sweden, again, another one from that uh, the, the, that part of the world. Uh, Berlin, Germany, number nine, and then Madrid, Spain. And that's the one city I, I'll say that I've, I've been to within the top 10. Um, but honorable mentions here, you know, we have Barcelona. So Spain had a, had a couple within the, the top 20. So you have Spain, uh, Barcelona, and then you had, um, yeah, and Madrid, which I could see where why, why Madrid was there. I mean, it's been some years since I've been there. Um, but Geneva, Switzerland, Ottawa, Canada, Canada had three in the top, in the I top know. twenty. 
Um, well, I wouldn't mind going to number 11 and checking it out personally. So for you guys, Prague, know number yeah. 11 on the list is Prague. Um, I really think that we should maybe host one of the random fits there just to see if it really lives up to its name. We but, would be you know, working. We would be working. We yeah. would. You I know, think we just hey, do business right off, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll oh, actually, with us and say, hey, let's just record <laughs> in some of these different countries to make sure that, um, you know, that that, you know, we're bringing this out. But, you know, I found it fascinating that number one, you know, being Amsterdam and I haven't spent a lot of time in Amsterdam. However, I fly into Amsterdam. It seems like every time that I'm going outside the States, that's like somewhere that I'm having to stop and doing a layover. And it is amazing to see, Ken, and I don't know if you've been, been, been in the airport and I know there's so many people traveling from all over the countries, but I find it fascinating to see, and they just, people look healthy. They're, you know, they're walking fast, they're carrying their, their, um, their baggage and people just seemed very calm, very relaxed. And I think it seems like there's a big stress factor that's not there when you leave the United States and get to some of these other countries. And, and I think it makes sense when we started doing some of the research and, um, you know, on random fit today, we're talking about the world's fittest cities with Wendy Batts and Ken Miller. And we've talked about the list and we've talked about Amsterdam being number one and Copenhagen being number two and Finland. But if you guys listen to even some of the ones that Ken and I have done on random fit in the past, some of our topics, Finland was also really big. Um, I think it was Finland, right? That, that had the, the students that really never had homework, but yet they were excelling in education, academics, and, you know, in, in their businesses, they were like really thriving. So I think in a combination of looking at a holistic approach about living a healthy life, that a lot of this carries over and it just makes sense. And, you know, and, and thinking about those those countries and again, why you're happy. I mean, I think it's just because you know, we all have stress, right? We all have to make a living. We all have responsibilities, whether it's family, work, social. There's a lot of stress in our lives. And I, I, I don't want to say, again, I have a very small sample size of, of friends that I that, you know, come from overseas and that I've had a chance to interact with and discuss their their upbringing and, and what they've had access to. But it, it is I think it's just about having an outlet. So if you have to, let's say in Amsterdam, you know, talking about number one on the list, uh, they had 22,000 miles of cycle paths, cycle, not psycho, cycle paths, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, um, which a quarter of all the trips are made by bicycle compared to 2% in the UK, right? So it's you know, talking about stress and being happy. I think if you, if you went to school, you know, if you're, riding your bike to school, if you're riding your bike back home, if you're riding your bike to work, to recreation, to this and to that, you have an outlet. You, I think you have some downtime because it's not like it's not like you can you're going to get into a, an Uber or a Lyft. Right. And you're going to sit in the car. What do you do when you're in the back of a, if you're getting chauffeured around, Wendy? What are you doing? You're um, yeah, on my phone. Yeah. You know, you're on terrible, but yeah. Yeah. But think of it this way. And this is something that occurred to me is like, you're not going to be looking at your phone when you're on a bike, right? No. I've seen it happen. And I just like, oh, that's not going to end well. But if you think about it, that gives your mind a little time to decompress. You're, you're disconnecting and you, you can have, you know, chance to, you know, be in nature, get some sunlight. You know, maybe if you're riding a bike next to somebody, you know, and now you're having conversation, you're not stuck in your, in the digital world and it gives your mind someplace else to be which is 
you know, keep your head where your feet are, right? And and you're present in, you're not going to not be present when you're on a bike, right? So when you're thinking about 22,000 miles in that small little country relative to the U.S., that's a, that's a big proportion. And again, you're talking about a quarter of all. Can you imagine if a quarter of every time you had to go anywhere, Wendy, was on a bike? I know. I mean, you know, it would it would probably change my wardrobe. Um, it would change the <laughs> shoes that I wore from time and time again. But but no, I mean, that's what's what's remarkable, because I mean, think about this, too. Ken. I know myself, I learned how to ride a bike at a very young age because, yeah. you know, growing up, it was like you would go outside, you hop on your bike, you're with your friends, you're enjoying life, you're meeting after school at some of these public places. You're going thing, and then you just had to be home before dinner or before dark or whatever. Oh, yeah. It was just yeah. this known. You looked at the sun. It's like, okay, guys, time to go home. No questions asked. There was no security things you were stressed about. So there's been a lot of changes in our way of transportation, our way of life. You know, feeling secure in some of these cities that we have um, in the states, and and then also too what freedoms we're allowing our children to have. I mean, my kid is six right. and I'm just now starting to really work on trying to get his training wheels off his bike. When, you know, this is something I would have done at the age of three, you know, three or four, I was right. riding a bike by myself and and it was like no problem, but it's it's just different times. And mm -hmm. and like you said, it's like you, you, you see people riding bikes with their babies on the back in backpacks or in their baskets mm -hmm. or pulling a wagon and that is, acceptable and normal and and nobody even it just it's just it's fascinating to see and read about these countries and how they make it work yeah and i think too because you have these dedicated pathways right so it's not like i have right here outside of my house or two blocks away they have bike you know bike friendly you know they have the the bike stenciled on the street oh yeah you know and they share the road you know, and they, you know, here, at least in California, I'm not sure what it is nationally, you need to give yourself three feet if you're driving in a car next to a bike. And you know, that doesn't happen most of the time. So, you know, and I'm apprehensive about putting my kids on a bike, just riding their bike to the park or the school, you know, there's a park, you know, a little bit a ways away. But, you know, I want them to be out there. But my instincts as a, as a dad, and their safety tells me, you know, let's let's either walk or we get in the car and we'll, we'll drive, you know, we'll drive that quarter mile, you know, or that that half a mile because I don't want to put them on a bike. And then these cars zooming by as much leeway as they try to get. It's it's just never enough space. But if you have bike paths, like you said, Wendy, if you're three years old riding a bike. Yeah. If you know how to ride a bike. Yeah. Tote yourself around. I'd rather put you on your own bike if you can do it. And, you know, I'd feel more comfortable if I knew that there wasn't a car that might not be paying attention and being getting too close to you because if it was my son, like when he was first riding the bike where he's not exactly going in a straight line, then, you know, but overall, I mean, we're not talking about cycling and safety, although it is what gets them out there more often and allows them to, to do it as more of their lifestyle. And today on Random Fit, we're talking about the world's fittest cities. And again, we've gone over, you know, basically the top 20, but basically the top 10 with number one being Amsterdam and then Copenhagen and then um, Helsinki. 
and then going through and I can go down the list. But I think yeah. one thing too, when we talked about the green space, I think it's important to also think about the social aspect. And that's one of the things too, that was highlighted on why these cities are making this list is because they they have allowed and dedicated, meaning that particular city, areas of these public spaces where they want to really enhance and promote public, um, healthy public lifestyles and communication and becoming part of the community, which is what we all really want, but do we really do that? And do our cities really focus on bringing the community together? I mean, maybe for a 5K or something, one event, but they have, different um, areas and promote all different types of platforms, like even the bus stop and parks and fairs and urban plazas that they put, outdoor concerts. And they're really trying to focus on bringing these well-being and inviting, you know, well-being, um, like these communities of well-being and bringing like positive outdoor activities and bringing youth together and grown-ups together and really trying to be, you know, love thy neighbor. They try to bring thy neighbors actually together versus I check my mail and I may see a neighbor, maybe not. And, and it, I could go a month without seeing my neighbors. Like it just depends. And so, you know, I think there is, there's something to be said too with the, you know, stopping work at a certain hour, enjoying your cup of tea, you know, having that time of, of surrounding yourself with friends and family and then going back to work if you needed to or something. We don't really do that. And I think that's something that I wish we could implement, but I know really won't happen. Yeah. Um, but again, to expand on the point of, you know, uh, of having promoting more interaction, um, number two on the list being Copenhagen, Copenhagen, Denmark, they have, I mean, back in 1960, starting in 1960, they, they made efforts to make sure that the infrastructure was there and and if i'm if i'm recalling correctly you know there were there you know with with the hustle and bustle of of commuting from home to work uh they were starting to uh, you know get more traffic in in certain local areas but with that came uh accidents as far as uh people getting hit by cars um and then of course young kids getting hit by cars you know, which we talked about earlier uh, when we first opened this um, and talking about the importance of, of cycling. But one of the things that they did, what, what they did there, again, just like in Amsterdam, they improved or they had more miles of bicycle pathways. Well, when you have more pathways, that's less rooms and infrastructure for cars to where now it is such, it is such a component of who they are and, and how they've um, plan the city that it's almost a burden to have a car. So one of the stats I saw was that now in that in that in that uh, part of Denmark, you know, you, for every thousand people, there's like three hundred cars, right? In in Copenhagen, so it's actually so conducive to ride a bike that you don't have too many cars, which just makes it more um, acceptable and promoted to actually get out there. But um, a famous architect out there in, in Copenhagen, uh, Jan Gell, again, promoting interaction, inclusion of intimacy of, you know, with, with people and the environment, they, they, they created the, you know, the, the infrastructure for open space and, you know, 
elevated road. So because there's cars there, they just keep them away from, from the, the bicyclists. So again, this is just to have more interaction between people and the outdoors and the environment. And again, in that part of the world, if you can be outside and it's summer and springtime, hey, get out there. But they, but the other thing about you know the top 10 um, at least is that there's also not just uh, the ability to get outside, but there's also a promotion of sport and an activity. So they're very, very much into uh, there's there's their their sports and there's local sports teams for that represent their country. So there's a lot of people that are a part of, you know, they're they're not just out there, but they're out there being active and recreating overall. Yeah. And it's all year round. I mean, look at, you know, yeah. when you watch the Olympics, I mean, you know, the skiers, these skiers and maybe the top 10 are usually on the podium at the end of the day because they're always outside. And, you know, one yeah. thing that I, I really liked with some of the research that we that we found was a commonality between all of these cities where, yes, they did look at gym memberships. And that's also to how all yeah. this became into a list. But the one thing that they really focused on was not about the time spent in the gym. It was about being active and what they considered active was being outdoors and being active in their community. And when you're looking at those kind of stats, they were way higher outside the United States because we really are focused. If you're not going to the gym, you're not working out. And again, remember, when you're talking about activity, we're talking about, you know, trying to practice at least 150 you know, minutes of moderate to intense exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise at least you know, in, in a week. And so you know, we're so hung up on these numbers sometimes that I think you know, going outside and playing and exposing ourselves to different things that we can do in the environment, taking a walk, taking a bike, you know, doing this, just going to and from work, they're getting that activity right then and there, which puts yeah. them above what we're doing by getting in the car, sitting in traffic in Atlanta, and I'm sure in California for hours on end, just trying to get from point A to point B. And they don't, they don't really experience that because that's not their means of transportation. Yep. And talking about gym memberships, I, you know, one of the things that, that came up was that Oslo, Norway, they have, again, 22% of their population actually has gym memberships. But like you said earlier, when they, just because you have the membership doesn't mean that you're using it. And, and that's our bias, right? That's our bias here in the United States, because when people sign up, you know, in December, January, February, they're very motivated to, you know, to shed those pounds, put on some muscle, look better by the time spring break comes around or even the summer. But again, to, to echo what you just said, this is about activity and movement and getting out there. It's not just about, you know, here in the, the U.S. where typically it is about how you look. Right. But there it is. It's a part of their life. Um, so being able to use a gym membership just makes it so that, hey, I could be fitter to get outside to recreate. And of course, I mean, it's hard to get away from the aesthetics because I'm not going to say that nobody on this top 20 or top 10 isn't there to look better. Right. Where I'm sure it's there. But I, you know, I think the percentage or the amount of people that would have a bias of why I have a gym membership um, is going to be more one way than the other. Well, and, you know, another like looking through and, and again, I was, you know, trying to look because I just, as you guys know, went to, um, well, Ken and I went to Germany and we were presenting. And so when I saw Berlin on there, I was like, oh, tell me more about Berlin, because that wasn't an area that I went to. And I was like, OK, what really makes them stand out and, and why are they number nine or, you know, like what was the differentiator? And, you know, with with 
Berlin being Germany's fittest cities, they have 87 parks, you know, and that's 36 more than its nearest competitor, which is Hamburg. So when you're thinking about this too, I mean, you've got to think too that um, the German capital um, is, is Hamburg, right? So it's the highest number of gym memberships. However, when you're looking at Berlin, having those parks really did separate it and, and make it above, above um, the, all the other uh, cities in um, Germany. So I found that to be pretty fascinating. 87 parks in Berlin, y'all. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot for a city. You think that for a state or, or like some, some, but 87, I mean, that's a lot of access. I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, there, there were some times where like I'd work in certain areas and I just want to, you know, go grab lunch and eat outside and part. So think of, if you had access to part, if you can just walk outside your house, walk outside of your place of work, walk outside, you know, just meet up with somebody. 87 parks. That's, that gives you a lot of options as far as a lot of outside. options. <laughs> uh, well, Ken, I mean, I know we could probably talk uh, again through each and every one of these cities. And if you guys are interested, you can just look up, you know, world's fittest cities. You can find a ton of information, especially if you're going to be taking any kind of travel um, over the holidays or maybe looking into something to do early and in, to next spring or summer. These are some great areas. And I know places that I personally want to travel yeah. Or like I've been to four on the list um, and I really want to continue rising that or <laughs> raising that number. Um, but yeah. but I think I think this it was great because I wanted to know, you know, I wanted to know. And I was really thankful for you guys reaching out to us and asking this question because then we looked it up and found the answer. Yeah. And I was glad to. Yeah, I mean, my one city to your four. Wendy, I got to I got to extend my bucket list a little bit as well. <laughs> Well, keep in mind that uh, three of them are in the same country. So just, uh, oh, I'm gonna, right. that's, you know, made it pretty easy. <laughs> okay, Valencia, Spain, here I come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Wendy, as always, it's always great hanging out with you here on uh, Random Fit. But for those of you that spent your time here and listening to us here on this episode of the World's Fittest Cities, thank you so much. Um if there's anything you'd like for us to talk about, just like on this topic, please like, follow, subscribe, download, comment. Let us know what else we can do for you as far as giving you information on Random Fit. So until next time, everybody, take care and be well.